Hello, I'm Tim Rhodes, pastor of Bethel Baptist Church, and welcome to our morning worship service. Bethel Baptist Church is located on Kentucky Highway 36 in Frenchburg, Kentucky. You can find our website at www.bethelbaptistfrenchburg.com, and you can reach us at 606-768-3768 or 606-776-7360. If you'd like to write us, you'd like to know more about our church, you have questions, you'd even like to help and support, you can reach us at Post Office Box 141, Frenchburg, Kentucky, 40322. I trust you'll enjoy our service and perhaps be part of our ministry. But God bless you as we join our morning worship service. Amen. Please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus preached this sermon in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of how Christians, disciples, ought to live. You know, Christians, when we're saved, uh, we're not to stay as as uh, babes in Christ, uh, we're supposed to grow into disciples of Christ. We're, we're, to, we're to grow to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal, is to be like Him. I hope you've noticed in the bulletin on the back cover, I've started the last couple of weeks to put some doctrines on there to help uh, maybe understand, uh, I know many of you know these uh, frontwards and backwards, but uh, maybe some don't, and last week was the doctrine of justification, and today is a doctor, doctrine of sanctification, which is our growth. The new birth, the regeneration, that's our, we're born again, and then the sanctification is our growing up uh, to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus gave us these Beatitudes to get our attitude, to get our character, and we're to be like Jesus. We don't, we don't, we're not supposed to live like the world. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And, and this word renews our minds so that we think like, talk like, and act like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we've been looking at these, uh, these Beatitudes, and now we're in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. You know, normally this, this is kind of reversed. Normally when the Bible says sons of God, we say, well, this means children of God, all of those who are saved. And while it still means all those are saved, the, the specific word there really is sons of God because it has to do with our rights and privileges and our eternal standing as His. Uh, but blessed are they who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Yes, that's in there. 
rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Father, we thank you for your word, its truth, its power. And Father, we just pray that, that as we study together, uh, that we would grow to be like the Lord Jesus. I pray that every word spoken is yours and not mine, and that your will is done in our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So we've looked at these, uh, happy are the humble, and this word blessed in these, in, in these beatitudes, when it says the word blessed or blessed, uh, w- when you look at the original language, that word means happy, but not just happy, happy because of the blessings that we have from the Lord Jesus. We, we, when you live a life of obedience and submission to the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be happy you will, you, because of the blessings you receive. Because that's what you, you want to please Him more than yourself or more than someone else. And so when you, when you do these things and receive His blessings, you are happy. Not, not with circumstances of up and down all the time, happy when good things happen and unhappy when bad things happen. But, but a constant, uh, uh, always happy because you have the blessings of the Lord Jesus Christ on your life and so happy are the humble we've looked at happy are the sad meaning they're mourning over sin and the consequences of sin and when we mourn over that that leads to repentance which leads then to our blessings and happiness happy are the meek uh, those who are strong yet under control. Happy are the hungry who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For, for being like Christ, they will be filled. Happy are the merciful. We have received mercy from the Lord Jesus, and so we give mercy. Happy are the holy, those who are pure in heart, not just what they do as religious things, but they're truly pure in their hearts. Their their heart is right. Their attitude is right. And then today, happy are the peacemakers. You know, we have a special calling, a special mission to restore peace. That is given to the church. That is given to each of us. We're not to create conflict or strife. Now, having said that, when, when we teach and preach the Word of God, that will be in conflict with the devil. It will be in conflict with the world. It will be in conflict with some of the religious who aren't truly saved or aren't truly walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. So just in what we say and preach and teach will create conflict and strife. But we don't in our attitudes and actions go about uh, seeking vengeance and stirring up strife. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, when you look in uh, Proverbs chapter 6 and you look at the things that God hates, the first one is pride. He hates pride uh, because when, when you're filled with you, there's no room for Him. You can't even be saved until you deny yourself and say, Have mercy on me, a sinner. 
And so pride is the worst. But you know among these things, including murder and lying and all that, it says this. He hates this. Those who stir up strife, those who cause strife among the brethren or among the church family. We're to love one another, not stir up strife. And so we as Christians and as the church, we have been given this special mission by the Prince of Peace to be peacemakers. Now, this word peace means an inner personal peace. It's not just peace and quiet when when we get by ourselves or, or when we get away from work or we're driving down the road, and, ah, some peace and quiet. No, no, it's deeper than that. It is an inner personal peace that only God can give. It replaces conflict with righteousness, righteousness harmony, and true, true well-being. Let me show you the deepest meaning uh, or uh, what this really means uh, this, the deepest meaning of peace, the word, the Hebrew word shalom. I want you to look at this in Luke chapter 2. This is, this is the deepest meaning of peace. God's highest good to you. In Luke 2, as the message of the gospel was given, the message of the Savior was given. Fear not, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For in two years born this day in the city of David, a Savior is Christ the Lord. And then the angels are singing and praising God and say, Glory to God in the highest. Listen, and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. The word shalom, God's highest good to you. That's peace. An inner, a deep inner peace. Now, happy are the peacemakers. Here's what they have done or what they do. This describes peacemakers. Number one, they have made peace with God. You can't be a peacemaker if you don't have peace with God. You can't be a peacemaker if you're not saved. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, let's look at this. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And look in verse 10. For if when we were enemies, we were enemies. We were enemies of God. Do you realize that? Because God is perfect and He is holy and we're sinners. That makes us an enemy of God. We're in a conflict with him, But it says, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. We made peace with God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And so we have, the, a peacemaker has first of all made peace with God. We are His enemies, we are separated. As a matter of fact, we are far, far, far apart. And there's nothing we can do in our works, in our righteousnesses, in our religion, in all of those things. The only way we can have peace with God is through our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid for our sins. He rose again. And by faith in Him, we can have peace with God. A, a peacemaker, first of all, must have peace with God. And so we have made peace 
with God through Jesus Christ. Secondly, a peacemaker has received the peace of God. Now this is really important because Christians, now listen, Christians are not supposed to go about being anxious and worried all the time about all the things that's going on. One of the things that sets us apart is our peace. That's one of the reasons in 1 Peter 3.15 that they would come and ask you, what, what is it that you have that makes you have such hope, that makes you have such peace? How can you be so calm during these times? It's the Christian that, is, had, that has peace about the virus. It doesn't mean we're not wise. It doesn't mean that we don't follow good, sound medical or scientific advice. It doesn't mean that we ignore those things. But it does mean we're not falling apart worrying about what's going on in our world. We have peace. It is supernatural peace, the peace of God that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at these familiar verses in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, when it says, first in verse 6, be careful for nothing. And you've heard this over and over and over. You know what that means. Don't worry about anything. That's what it's saying. Don't worry about anything, but instead, it says, but instead in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And, listen, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep or guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We don't worry because our hearts and minds are guarded by this peace that we have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you cannot, or, or, or you're at least wasting your time, when you worry and pray. If you're going to worry, don't waste time praying. But prayer is supposed to make us trust. Worry and trust do not go together. Worry and faith do not go together. Worry and prayer do not go together. And so we are, we, as Christians, we're to learn to trust God so much that rather than worry, we pray. We, we turn these requests over to God and in and. and you know, this is like where we give Him our sins and He gives us the righteousness of Christ. What a deal. Well, here's another one. We give Him our burdens, He gives us peace. Amen? He gives us peace. We don't have to live as Christians a life of worry and anxiety. Jesus said this over in John chapter 14 as He was preparing His disciples for His... For his going away. He said, Peace in verse 27, John 14. Peace I leave with you, my peace. Not the world's peace, my peace. The Lord Jesus is not anxious. He's not at the, at the throne of right hand of the Father where he's praying for us. He's not wringing his hands, worried to death about what's going to happen down there. Oh my, this virus got away from me. I didn't intend for this to happen. I don't know what's going on and what in the world I'm going to do about this. He's not anxious. He's in control. And so he says, my peace. I'm going to give you my peace so that whatever comes along, he said, in this world, 
you'll have tribulation. So we're not surprised, are we, when tribulation comes along, when things happen? We're not surprised. Jesus said this will happen, but he said, I've overcome the world. You can have peace, the peace that passeth understanding. And so peacemakers have made peace with God. They have received the peace of God, and then they promote peace. We have the ministry of peacemaking. Look over in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 18 says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry of peacemaking. We have the ministry of peacemaking. We are to promote we are to promote peace. First of all, you know the kind of peace we're supposed to promote, right? We're supposed to promote the peace with God. We're supposed to tell people, look, the number one thing that you need, you need Jesus. You, you have conflict. You have strife. You have all these things messing up your life. You need Jesus. The, the, listen. The soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ has put on the armor. And in verse 15 it says, Our feet should be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We have the gospel of peace. We have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what people need across our, our nation and all this unrest and all of these things, you know what they're really looking for? They need the peace with God. They need to be saved. They need the Lord Jesus Christ to fulfill those things that they long for and hungry for and things that's missing in their lives. They need Jesus. And we have the gospel. And we shouldn't be uh, uh, locked up somewhere, wringing our hands and worried about what's going on when we have the answer. The answer is Peace, and it comes from a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to promote peace. And then not only with God, promote peace with others. There's an interesting couple of verses in the sermon that Jesus preaches. In Matthew chapter 5, you're going to find out that the Lord Jesus Christ, though meek, he, he, he was strong. We know the Lord Jesus is strong. I mean, he is the king of kings. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. He is the wonderful counselor. He is the I am. He is the beginning and the end. He is Yahweh. He is all these things. He is strong. But all of this is under control. But there are times when the Lord Jesus tells it exactly like it is. And you're going to see some of those things in this sermon he preached. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, he said this. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and thou rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee. Now listen. Leave your gift before the altar and go back and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. In other words, the Lord Jesus is saying, I don't want your gift until things are right with your brother. 
with your brother in Christ or your sister in Christ. Until things are right with the church family, you just leave the gift. Now, I'm not sure Brother Willie has read this. He's, he's not asking, I don't think, when you come to the box over there and say, is everything all right with all your family, with all the church family? I don't think he is, are you, Willie? Don't be asking that. No, I'm just kidding. The, listen, this is what Jesus said. This was emphasizing the importance of peacemakers and, and unity within the church family. He's saying, if, you, have a, if you, you bring a gift, it's a good gift. It's a substantial gift. We need the gift, but we don't want it. If you have strife with your brother or sister in Christ, you go take care of that first. You leave it here. He didn't say take it back with you. You leave it here, and then you go take care of that be a peacemaker the way I've asked you to be, the way the disciples of Christ are supposed to be. Be a peacemaker. And then you come back and you give your gift. That's what the Lord Jesus said. Those are His words. The song says about red letters. It's a great song. About how this guy was in desperate need. And he read the red letters of John 3, 16 and about salvation and how wonderful that is. These are in red letters too. These are in red letters. Jesus said this just as much as he said John 3, 16. Just as much as he said God loves you and gave his son for you and wants you to be saved. He also said if you have a gift... But there is strife existing between you and your brother or sister. Go deal with it. Be a, peace, a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. And then come in and give your gift. Those are the words of Jesus. Those are red letters. We are to be peacemakers. And when we do that, and in Romans 12, 18... By the way, let me read this verse too. Romans 12, 18. In dealing with strife, it says this. If it be possible, as much as life in you or as much as is up to you, live peaceably with all men or all people. That's saying this. You're to do everything you can do. If it's up to you, there will be peace. There will be reconciliation. Now you can't control what other people do. But you're not to wait on them. You're not to leave it up to them. It says as much as is within you. Live peaceably with all. Peacemakers. The result is we shall be called the children of God. Or we shall have eternal sonship. With all the honor and privileges of the Son of God. Peacemaking is an absolute hallmark of God's children. Amen? Amen? And then it says this, Happy, happy are the persecuted. Now that goes against our nature, right? That goes against our nature. The world does not, someone has said, the world does not associate happiness with humility, mourning, 
meekness, righteousness, purity, and peacemaking. The, the world does not relate happiness to those things, and especially not to persecution. Nobody wants to be harassed. Nobody wants to be persecuted. And yet, if you live, now listen, if you live by those other seven Beatitudes, you will be persecuted. You will be. In 2 Timothy 3.12 it says this, Yea, and all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you take the stand of living for the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be persecuted. If you submit to the Holy Spirit and you're going to walk with Christ and your goal is to be like Jesus, you will be persecuted. It's not that you might, you will. Those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so what are those things? How do we suffer? Well, we suffer physical persecution. Some suffer physical persecution. You know, around the world there are Christians who are killed for their faith. We don't hear about those, do we? Not really. But they are beaten up. They're put in jails. They're even killed for their faith. Here we are. We get upset over some little something that somebody might say. And there are people who are being physically abused, beaten up, suffering because they love the Lord Jesus Christ and they make their stand for Him. Persecution will come. Now, someone mentioned it over in uh, Brother Jim's class this morning that it's going to get worse before it gets better. It will. It's going to get worse. The persecu persecution will get worse. It's just that as it starts to get worse, we're going home. There'd be no persecution there. But we've got to endure it here. We've got to. There's blessings. There's happiness for those who are persecuted for Christ's sake. Not your own. I'm not talking about your persecutor for something you've done. I'm talking about for the name of Jesus Christ. You're persecuted. There is physical persecution. There is, uh, th there is verbal persecution. They revile you. There, there is verbal persecution. Those Christians who do this and do this and do this. And Christian, Christians are hated. But it's not like the first time. We, we act like, well, nobody's ever endured what I've endured. Hey, when the early church started... After the Lord Jesus, they were persecuted. They were, Paul, as a matter of fact, when he was Saul, before he got saved, he, he wreaked havoc in the church. He tore churches apart. He drugged people out of there. He put them in prison, had them killed. The church was persecuted. Remember in Acts 4, they all got together and prayed. But they didn't whine and they didn't grumble. And, and, and they didn't say, God, get us out of this. They didn't even mention the, the, that, uh, uh, the deliverance. They said, 
Give us boldness that we can preach the gospel. That was the church. Give us boldness that we can preach the gospel. Christians have always been persecuted physically, verbally, and then character, character persecution. Say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. In other words, they slander us. They call us bigots. They say that we don't love people or we're not compassionate. It's not true. It's not true. We want everybody to be saved. Our gospel is for anybody and everybody. We're the most inclusive group you can find anywhere. We want everybody to be saved. We want everybody to go to heaven. We have a gospel for everybody. But people don't like to hear the truth sometimes. They don't want to hear the truth about sin and what the Bible says. This is the truth. This is the truth about all things. This is the truth. And sometimes people don't want to hear that. And we're to give the truth with love. As a matter of fact, one of the great signs of true love is the truth. You can't truly love someone and then not tell them the truth and let them go to hell without even mentioning it. Or tell them they're headed in the wrong direction or doing the wrong things according to God's word. We have to give them the truth. But we love them. Christians, we're going to be persecuted. But listen, there seems to be a double blessing here. I I don't know the the original language. But there seems to be a a double blessing. Verse 10, blessed are they who are persecuted. And verse 11, blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you. First of all, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. God is going to bless us during persecution now. And you know what? It seems like there's something special for those in the kingdom, in the millennial reign. You know we'll serve there. But it seems like he's saying there's something special. For those who are persecuted for my sake. I'll bless them now. I'll bless them in the kingdom. I'll bless them for eternity. They're going to be happy. Because I'm going to deliver them. I'm going to deliver them. Look at Paul's testimony. And and we need to wind this up here. But look look at Paul's testimony. In verse 17 of 2 Timothy 4. And for verse 16, at my first answer, no one stood with me. All forsook me. Verse 17, but, he said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. The Lord is with those who are persecuted for his name. He will deliver you. He will deliver us. And he has special blessings, a double blessing, if you will. Because of those who stand strong, who stand boldly, and are persecuted because of their testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, listen. We are called to be peacemakers. We are called 
because of our, uh, of our Christ-likeness, because of our boldness for Christ, we will be persecuted. But the difference is, the, the proof is, of those who claim the name of Christ, is that we're to have a different attitude. We're to have a different actions, different behavior, different character than the world. Jesus says, you're supposed to be like this, starting with humility all the way to persecution. This is supposed to be you as you're to become like me. Don't be satisfied with going through the motions of your Christianity. Don't be satisfied with just a little religion here and there. But make it your goal. You want to be like the Lord Jesus. Even if it costs you persecution, you want to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here without Christ today, or you're listening or watching our program, you need Jesus. The greatest decision you'd ever make is to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Dear in our invitation, if you'd like to be saved, come and let's pray together as you accept Christ as Savior. Or you're a Christian and you just want to rededicate, recommit yourself or make this stand for Christ, then you're going to be like Him. If you're watching or listening to our program, you're not saved, ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you. The Bible says if you believe that he died for you and rose again, he's the one and only Savior. The Bible says if you believe that, you'll confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. And so ask him to forgive you and save you, and he will. God bless you. Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus and salvation through him. And I pray, Father, that we'll have the attitudes of these beatitudes. I pray, Father, that we will be like the Lord Jesus Christ, that we're not conformed to the world, but that we're conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person here, for those who, who are walking with Christ, that they would look like Him. And for those who are not saved, that they would come to Jesus today. We pray in His name. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed our program today, and I hope you were blessed by it. It is our uh, hope and our prayer that each week as you watch this program, you'll receive a blessing from God's Word. Our songs, our messages, they're about the Lord Jesus Christ. And perhaps someone accepted Christ today as Savior. If you did, we want to rejoice with you. And I just ask you, please drop a note in the mail to Bethel Baptist Church, Post Office Box 141, Frenchburg, Kentucky, and let us know. And we'll send you some material, and we'll rejoice with you. Perhaps you're thinking about being saved. You never trusted Christ as Savior, and He is your greatest need. And today I just urge you to admit that you're a sinner. You know, we all are. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But if you just acknowledge you're a sinner and believe that Jesus Christ truly is the one and only Savior, the only way to heaven. If you'd ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life and save you, Jesus will forgive you. He will save you. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth 
that the Lord Jesus is the Christ, that He died and rose again, He will save you. Our prayer is that you would know Christ as Savior. And if you are saved, it's our prayer that you would serve the Lord Jesus Christ faithfully. We're to accept Him as Savior, but we're to serve Him as Lord, as you heard in the message. And so, thanks for watching the program. If you have questions, let us know. Uh, pray for us as we pray for you. And may God bless you.